continuing the series on eternal judgment and we're looking at the section of the rewards that are available to the saints and we've been dealing with certain aspects of the rewards that are available to the saints um, on that our day of judgment and we had a look at the fact that there in fact are two categories two broad categories of rewards that we can um, expect from our Lord Jesus on that day the first category which is what the ones we've dealt with up until now are the indeed the category of rewards that we cannot earn for those uh, rewards have been made freely and made available to the body of Christ by the Lord Jesus through the sacrifice that he has paid for us and we had a look at uh, a number of those rewards and we saw that within that category because we looked at uh, the scriptures in really it's those rewards are listed for us in the book of revelations chapters uh, two and three when our lord uh, writes to the seven churches in asia and obviously he writes to his church today and he lists those particular rewards for us and for each one of those rewards he says to him who overcomes i will then uh, provide and then he, he um, specifies one or two rewards that he's laid up in the store for his saints and we had a look at who is the overcomer. We saw that everybody who is a believer in Christ Jesus is in fact an overcomer and thus qualifies for those particular rewards. But we did see that there are two rewards listed in that category of rewards uh, which require more than just being an overcomer. Um, our Lord attached uh, certain conditions to the reward of ruling and reigning with him in that uh, we would have to keep his works until the end and we would have to overcome even as he overcame. And we had a look at uh, the qualifications for that. And uh, we also looked at uh, a type and a shadow of um, what, will, trans what it will transpire, still in the future actually, it's not, it hasn't yet transpired, but uh, it still proves to be a type and a shadow of our eternal rewards. And we looked at uh, in Ezekiel, when our Lord speaks about the Levites, who will serve him in the temple in the last days, that uh, temple still to be built. And he says that there are certain Levites who, when Israel went astray, um, you know, followed after Israel by and large, and they were pretty much leaders in uh, leading Israel astray. And uh, our Lord says that when that temple is rebuilt, those Levites will not be allowed to serve him in the Holy of Holies or in the Holy Place. They will not be able to stand before him and minister to him as priests. However, they will be allowed to minister on the peripheral of the, the temple and they will be in charge of uh, keeping the gate. They will be gatekeepers and they will be in charge of um, preparing the sacrifice for the people and ministering uh, for the people from that point of view. But God says that they will not be allowed to minister uh, directly to him. And then he classifies the priests of Zadok as those priests who have uh, sanctified themselves even when Israel went astray. And so he says that those priests are worthy to stand before him and they will minister to him. Now that is still talking about an old covenant principle, which has obviously, as I say, not yet transpired because that temple hasn't yet been rebuilt. But we saw that that pertained because we have been made kings and priests unto our God. Um, by our Lord Jesus Christ. And part of our, our inheritance is that we will reign as kings. But part of our inheritance is also that we will serve the Lord as priests in uh, the New Jerusalem. 
and we saw that uh, the saints in this life who choose not to forego a life of practice in sin remain saints, they are still born again, they haven't yet committed the sin unto death, and so they haven't lost their salvation. We had a look at that right at the outset of this series of teachings. Uh, you can go back and look at that. Um, but nevertheless, the saints who um, remain saints because they haven't denied the Lord, but choose to live a lifestyle. I'm not talking about practicing, doing one or two sins here and there. We're talking about a lifestyle of, of practice sin. They continually practice uh, various sins in their lives. These saints would have foregone uh, their um, inheritance of being able to minister as priests before God. Uh, they will not be allowed to uh, fulfill that role and they will be given uh, peripheral tasks really in, in the New Jerusalem. What those tasks will be, I um, yeah, we can only speculate. but. We'll go back to uh, the, the Levites. There was a, a grouping of Levite priests that God said, you guys are worthy, you will minister to me. The rest of the Levite priests, he said, you guys are not worthy, you will now minister to the people by and large. That's, that's, that's the job that they were given in the temple. And uh, so we will, that will transpire in eternity as well. Um, when we quoted the scripture, uh, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, he said, in a great house, speaking about the house of God, wasn't speaking about uh, those who are, you know, the great house being partly the house of God and partly uh, uh, darkness, not at all. He was speaking about the house of God. And he said, in a great house, there are vessels for honor and vessels for dishonor. And uh, it seems to be very clearly taught to us in Scripture that the saints who choose not to forego a lifestyle of sin, practicing sin, um, will be uh, become vessels of dishonor in the great house and uh, will not be vessels of honor and thus not uh, serve before the Lord as priests in that, in that field. So yeah, those are the rewards that uh, cannot be earned. Those are rewards that are given to the saints freely. And so we want to finalize this series of teachings now by looking at the rewards that indeed can be earned by the saints. Um, and uh, these rewards, is a, it's a different category because these rewards are available to the saints based on the good works that they've done. And again, we've gone through... Uh, that section of the teaching on eternal judgment, we said what, uh, what works will be uh, burned up on that day and what works will in fact endure. And those works that endure will obviously, the saint will be rewarded for those works. But just as uh, the saint who um, fails to forego a lifestyle of sin um, is prohibited from receiving the last two rewards that we mentioned in the previous category, that same saint will also not receive any of these rewards because these rewards are definitely earned. And they're earned by the good works that the saint does while they're on this earth. And so a saint who's chosen to um, continue to practice a lifestyle of sin excludes themselves from receiving these rewards. Um, now, these rewards primarily deal with crowns that are given to the saints. And we'll have a look at some examples, for there are a couple of examples given to us in the scriptures, of the types of crowns that will be available to the saints on that uh, day, on our day of judgment. 
And we'll also see that when a crown is given, it is always related to a throne. Um, a throne um, and a crown speaks of authority. And, uh, we, you know, we, the scripture tells us very plainly in the book of Revelations that our Lord has made us to be both kings and priests unto God our Father. Uh, uh, the Apostle Peter speaks about the fact that we are a royal, a royal priesthood. And so we are kings and we are priests before God. And so as kings, we, a king is given a crown and a king is given a, thro a throne of authority. That is uh, really what the, the king's, king's reward is and that we will receive from the Lord. And so the, the saints will receive differing levels of, of authority uh, on that day from the Lord. Not all of us will receive the same level of authority. Uh, unlike the first category of rewards we looked at where each saint receives exactly the same reward as every other saint. We all get our own new names given to us by God. We all get to partake of the hidden manna. We all get to partake of the fruit of the tree of life. And so all of those saints are universal for every single all of those saints all of those rewards are universal for every saint however these particular rewards that can be earned are not universal these rewards are given based on the good works that the saint does in this life and so um, one saint will be given more authority than another saint uh, on that particular day um, because of what was done in this life and so let's have a look at some scriptures that helps us to, to uh, understand this concept about the fact that there are, in fact, different levels of authority that the saints will uh, receive from our Lord Jesus on that day. First scripture we'll look at is in Mark chapter 10, verse 40. Our Lord speaking, and he says to, um, he's speaking to James and to John, and uh, I'll comment on it after I read the scripture. The scripture says, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And so the context here is, is that James and John had come to the Lord um, as he was heading towards Jerusalem. Um, they perceived that uh, things were going to come to a head. Now, under our Lord's ministry, the, his disciples did not understand that he had to die on the cross. Uh, he told them, but uh, it was hidden from them. They couldn't grasp that. Their whole upbringing had always been what the current Jewish uh, people believe today, is that when the Messiah comes, he sets up his rule and his reign on the earth in the uh, city of Jerusalem, and the Jews will then reign with him for the rest of eternity. And so that's what they're expecting. They're expecting they're on their way to Jerusalem, um, they do know that things are coming to a head, that our Lord is going to Jerusalem. They think he's going to set up his rule and reign. That they've always been taught that when the Messiah comes, this is what he will do. And so that's what they think is going to happen. So and their mother's with them at this time, also making the petition uh, to the Lord. And so they're trying to get it, uh, in, in, in on this whole thing because they reckon, okay, well, you know, if the Lord's going to set up his rule and reign, Better we get in quickly and see if we can get the best seats in the house. Uh, I'm paraphrasing kind of, but that's really what they were trying to do. So they go to the Lord and they say, 
you know, we want you to do something for us. And our Lord says, what do you want me to do? And they say, you know, granted we can sit one in your right hand, the other on your left hand in your kingdom. And our, our Lord replies to that when he says, but to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give, for it is not for, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. Um, and at the, the, you know, the discourse between our Lord and, and James and John is that uh, you guys don't know what you're really asking. Are you able to uh, drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm about to be baptized with? They say, yes, Lord. They have no idea what they're saying. Uh, and so our Lord says, okay, well, you guys will now drink the cup that I'm going to drink and you'll be baptized with the baptism that I will be baptized with. Speaking about his uh, death um, uh, that he would incur and the suffering that he would go through. Um, but then he goes on to say, but guys, this particular request that you've made to me, I can't, uh, I can't grant you that. He says, because it's not given to me to, to give out this. It's given to those for whom it is prepared. Now, it's obviously it's the Father who has prepared those particular thrones, because there are going to be two thrones seated on the right hand and the left hand of our Lord Jesus. Um, and so that's a throne that is, you know, obviously has great authority to be seated at the right hand of the Lord and at the left hand of the Lord. Um, and speculation can be made as to who actually uh, will receive those particular positions of authority, but that's not uh, the con uh, Part of this teaching. But the point that I want to get across here is that there are definite levels of authority given and based on the thrones that are given to the individuals. And those thrones, it's been prepared for those individuals by God the Father already. Um, that has already taken place before the ages began. Uh, for God always declares the end from the beginning. Um, another scripture we can look at, which uh, highlights this truth for us again, is in Matthew chapter 19, verse 28. Our, our Lord uh, speaking here says, um, So Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you, that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And so here our Lord is very clear to his, uh, the apostles of the Lamb. He says, you guys will be seated on 12 uh, thrones and you will judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, not every saint will receive that degree of authority. It's the, the 12 apostles of the Lamb are seated on these thrones. They've been set aside for them. Uh, so it just so happens that when our Lord spoke at this time, that Judas was one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, and he gave up his throne, um, and Matthias has uh, taken over, we know. Um, and so, but there are various degrees of authority that will be given to the saints of God on that particular day. And uh, it all depends on what we've done in this life to determine as to just how much authority will be given to us in the age to come and you know we can try and think about it and think okay well this one will get that to be and it, it's, it's foolishness for us to speculate along those lines because I can guarantee you that there are saints that are, have gone completely unnoticed in the body of Christ uh, who in fact will receive greater authority than saints who we look up to and think well that saint really is deserving of the Lord um, because the saint that has been in the background doing what the Lord has called them to do and been faithful in doing that. 
uh, will receive great reward from the Lord on that day and great authority um, and great crown because it is required in a, in a steward that one be found faithful. And that is really one of the, the, the criteria that our Lord is looking for when it comes to um, giving us our rewards on that day. You remember the, the parable that our Lord put across uh, when he, he spoke about you can't serve God and mammon. Um, and he said, if you guys are not going to be faithful in that which is another man's, who's going to give you your, your, your own, that which is your own, um, your, the true rewards? And so when he's talking along those lines, he's saying to us, we need to be faithful down here in this life in that which he has entrusted to us. And based on uh, the degree of faithfulness that we show in this life, that is the degree of uh, entrusting that he will give to us in the age to come, in that he will then uh, bestow upon us uh, certain levels of authority based on the faithfulness that we have displayed in this life. And so, you know, we look at things differently uh, in the natural to the way God looks at it, and we need to look at it uh, through spiritual eyes. Um, and so the rewards that we will receive are thrones that will be given to uh, the saints on that day, uh, and they're always going to be link, linked to crowns. Now, the thrones, um, another scripture we can look at, which again just highlight this truth to us, that they, you know, um, crowns are going to be given out on that day, and with the crown, the throne is given with it. Um, because no good having a crown, you do not have a throne. And because the throne and the crown together speak of levels of authority and reigning um, over um, whatever uh, spectrum the Lord decides that his saints will reign over individually, that is. The other scripture we can look at is in Psalms 122, beginning at verse 3. The scripture says, Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel. Jesus is the testimony of Israel. This is a picture of uh, the new Jerusalem, by the way. Uh, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord, for thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. And so here we see that thrones are set up in the city of Jerusalem. Plural, not one throne. Our Lord Jesus is going to be on his throne and God the Father will be on his throne. And then there will be other thrones set up in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, the thrones of the house of David, the scripture talks about. And those thrones will be uh, the saints. They will be given different levels of authority and different crowns and different thrones and they will rule and reign over the kingdom of God um, as God has ordained that they should and uh, there's also the palaces it's mentioned in the new Jerusalem and we'll have a look at that a little bit I just want to bring that to your attention but uh, when there are thrones then there are crowns given and so the scripture does mention certain crowns that are given to his saints on that day. Now it doesn't mention every crown, but there are certain crowns mentioned and we'll have a look at those crowns now. The first one we can look at is in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8. The scripture says, finally, now this is Paul speaking about his life. He says, finally, 
There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so Paul was assured of receiving the crown of righteousness from the Lord. And he says, not, I'm not the only one who's going to get that particular crown. He says, all who have loved the Lord's appearing will receive that particular crown, the crown of righteousness. Now, again, going to equate it back to what we discussed earlier, the saint who chooses not to forego a lifestyle of sin and uh, practices sin and not righteousness. Well, they're not going to receive the crown of righteousness on that day. You say, but I thought we all are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, we are. That's who we are, but that's not what we've earned. We've not earned that crown of righteousness. This, these are crowns that are earned. And the crown of righteousness is, is uh, given to the one who has loved the Lord's appearing, as Paul puts it. Um, and the, the one who has loved the Lord's appearing is the one who's living a lifestyle uh, to be pleasing to his Lord, so that when he does appear, um, this, the, that servant may not be ashamed when they stand before the Lord and give an account for their lives. And so the crown of righteousness is one of the crowns that are available to the saints on that day. Another uh, scripture we can look at for another crown that's available is in James chapter 1, verse 12. The scripture says, Blessed is the man who endures what? Temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Remember our Lord made the comment, he said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And so one of the things that we do when we love our Lord is we keep his commandments. It's one thing to say, I love you, Lord, and then not to keep his commandments. And our Lord you know, kind of looks upon us and say, he says to us, do you really love me? If you did, you would keep my commandments. And so the crown of life is stored up in, a, according to the Apostle James, for those who endure temptation. Now, what does it mean to endure temptation? It means not to give in to sin. It means to stay away from sin. Um, we dealt with it in, in a previous teaching. Paul's Peter says that he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. The flesh suffers uh, when a, a saint walks in righteousness because the, the gratifications of the flesh are not uh, gratified. They're kind of ignored, really. Um, and so here we see that the crown of life is given to the saint who endures temptation. Translated means he does not submit to temptation but continues to walk in righteousness um, and who loves the Lord. And obviously qualifies, as our Lord said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so that's the crown of life. Um, our Lord also talks about the crown of life, that same crown that James mentions in the book of Revelations, chapter 2, verse 10. He says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribu tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. And so this is the letter that our Lord wrote to the church in Smyrna. And he's, he's giving them the heads up. He's saying, guys, there's going to be some tribulation you're going to go through. There's some persecution coming your way. Um, and he says, you will have tribulation ten days. Now, that ten days could be exactly ten days. I don't know. Um, he, but our Lord says, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. And so those who are faithful to the Lord, even to death, 
will receive the crown of life. And so he's talking about martyrdom, obviously. And so uh, the crown of life is available to the saint who endures temptation and goes through tribulation and the testing of the devil, because our Lord said it very plainly. He said, indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. And so there were obviously some of the saints that our Lord knew was going to, what was going to happen, that they were going to be uh, arrested and, and cast into prison, and then some of them would suffer martyrdom for the Lord. But our Lord says, uh, and the reason that they were thrown into prison and the reason that they received tribulation from uh, the devil is that they could be tested. And uh, you recall um, our Lord gave Peter the heads up he, when he was still on the earth. He said, you know, Satan has asked uh, to sift you as wheat. Um, and that would be, uh, Satan had asked that he could test Peter. And our Lord didn't, when he, our Lord gave Peter his side of it, uh, he didn't say, but I prayed for you, it's not going to happen, so don't worry about it. And the Lord said to Peter, but I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And so our Lord didn't pray the Lord uh, to the Father to keep Peter out of the testing and the trial. The Lord prayed for Peter that he would have the faith to go through the testing and the trial. And here in this passage of Scripture as well, our Lord knew what Satan had requested. And obviously Satan had requested from the Father to test the saints in Smyrna, um, just as he'd requested of God to test Peter. And our Lord knew this was coming. And he forewarns his saints. He doesn't, because don't forget, now remember our, the scripture says, our Lord is seated at the right hand of the Father. He ever lives to make intercession for us. And so he knows what's going on. And he does make intercession for us. But the kind of intercession that the Lord makes is not the kind of intercession that we think, we think he does. Because he doesn't uh, pray to the Father, Lord, don't let this happen to my saints. He prays to the Father that they, they would be strengthened to go through it. And then he gives them the word and he says, guys, this is what's coming your way. Satan's asked to throw some of you guys into prison and he's even asked to be able to martyr some of you. He wants to test you. And it's, you know, Jesus didn't say, but I've not allowed it. Not at all. Jesus is saying, you guys just need to be faithful through it. Know that I'm, I'm with you. And if you stay with me and you stay through this thing, I will give you the crown of life. And so we learn quite a lot uh, of what transpires behind the scenes uh, through these passages of Scripture. And also how God the Father views us and God the Son views us. Views us In that, you know, God it's not always God's will to keep us from testing and trial. Uh, quite often, God allows us to go through tests and trials. And so that we can indeed uh, glorify Him because we come through the test and we come through the trial. Um, glorifying our Lord Jesus. And so there's the crown of life mentioned once again to those who are faithful even unto death. Another crown that's mentioned to us in Scripture, uh, the Apostle Peter mentions it in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Uh, he's writing to the elders of the church. And so this particular crown is for the shepherds of our Lord's flock. And he says, The elders who are among you I exhort... I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, 
but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And so the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter reveals that the, the shepherd's crown is a crown of glory that will be given to him. For those who meet those criteria, so, you know, there's quite a lot of criteria that he, he puts across there, that uh, they're not to serve by compulsion, but willingly. So it's not a case of, well, you know, I've got to go do this now because, you know, that's what the Lord called me to do. Um, no, I'm a willing servant of the Lord. And so that is the attitude that the shepherd should have. Uh, not for dishonest gain. So don't think of um, serving in the ministry so that you can make money out of the ministry. That's not the intent of the Lord at all. But there's, well, I won't go through all of this, but you know, there's definitely certain criteria that are given to the shepherd who will receive the crown of glory on that day. And the shepherds who meet the criteria will indeed receive the crown of glory from the Lord Jesus on that day. And so we see that crowns are very important in the kingdom of God. Uh, the book of Revelation, I think it's chapter 19, speaks of our Lord. He's, uh, he's crowned with many crowns. And uh, you think about the, the 24 elders who are seated around the throne of God. They, each one of them have a crown of gold on their heads, which they cast before the throne on a regular basis as they worship before God. And so crowns are very important. Thrones are very important uh, in the kingdom of God because it is with the crown and the throne that goes with it that the saint will then be able to rule and reign in the kingdom of God. For that is really... Uh, quite a large part of our inheritance is to rule and reign with our Lord Jesus Christ uh, throughout the ages to come. We're talking about eternity. And don't forget this um, doctrine is called eternal judgment. And so it's very serious stuff. And we, you know, quite often the, the church takes, looks at this quite flippantly um, because we, we are, you know, spiritual things are kind of... Uh, are blind to us in a way and that we are, we become so natural in our thinking we look at the uh, this lifestyle and we don't really conceptualize what eternity is going to be like and what the the impact of, of these rewards really are going to have on our uh, eternal existence another scripture we can look at and this is just uh, Paul the apostle giving us the heads up on his um, viewpoint and how he approaches uh, that day his, so that he can attain the crowns that are laid up in store for him. And right at the outset of the teaching, we, we dealt with the attitude that we should have um, with regards to our eternal inheritance. But well, let's revisit the scripture again. We did look at it earlier in, the, in this, past, in this uh, series of teachings. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 24. Um, the Apostle Paul writing says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Verse 25. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. And so Paul tells us that he, he when he says that he runs and he fights, he's talking about this life that he's living when he was on the earth. 
but he's very focused in this life. And he does the comparative to an Olympic athlete because obviously in Paul's day they had uh, the Olympic Games. Uh, the Olympic Games obviously stretch uh, way back then. And uh, the Olympic athletes that wanted to compete um, and win the, what was a perishable crown. I think they were given a garland that they, they wore on their head, and so it, after a while it would perish. Um, but he says our crowns are not perishable. Our crowns are imperishable. They last for all eternity. But he says that the Olympic athlete um, is tempered in all things, so they, they live a very focused lifestyle. And they are very disciplined in their lifestyle. Why do they do that? Because they, they determined to obtain gold uh, in the Olympics and, and to, to win their event so that they can be crowned with their, the, the medal that comes with it. And so Paul likens the Christian walk to that. And he's saying, well, he's saying this is how he does it. He approaches it. And he admonishes us to do exactly the same. We need to become like Olympic athletes when we're dealing with our eternal crowns. We need to be completely focused and disciplined in our lifestyle. Um, and that is really what uh, our aim is, is to attain the imperishable crown that is set and laid up before us and not to become distracted by the affairs of this life and thus um, forfeit our crowns because we can forfeit our crowns. You say, can that be correct? Yeah, let's have a look at a scripture where our Lord actually does mention just that particular issue. Revelation chapter 3, verse 11. Our Lord speaking, he says, and he's writing to the church at Philadelphia when he makes this comment. He says, behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. And so they really had received their crowns. Their crowns were now in this particular church were laid up for them in heaven. He says, hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. So their crown was there, it was assured for them. But our Lord admonishes them that they are to hold fast to it and let no one take it from them. And so it is very possible for the saint to lose crowns that uh, they have earned through their, their Christian walk and then uh, got off into some weird stuff and then lost their crowns. There is another interpretation of this passage of Scripture about how it is possible that one saint can lose their crown. And it's quite a, a valid point. You could look at it this way as well. And that is that you know, the Lord calls us to do certain tasks in the earth. And those tasks uh, have certain crowns stored up in heaven for the one who accomplishes the task given to him by the Lord. And so... The Lord called me to do a task, and now He stored up a crown for me for doing that task. I choose, as a saint, not to do that task. I say, you know, Lord, I'm too busy. Thank you very much. Ask somebody else to do it. And so what happens is, is the Lord does exactly that. He goes and asks somebody else to do it. So the task that I was meant to perform and thus receive the crown for, somebody else has now performed that task and now receives the crown that was originally laid up for me is now given to someone else. Someone else has now taken my crown. And so the, it's kind of a valid point you can put across because it does make a, a scriptural sense to say that. Um, and so, yeah, we can lose our crowns. And we, so we need to be vigilant in this area and not be flippant about it, not take it lightly, because we're talking about eternity 
These are not things to be uh, um, taken lightly. Now, with regards to the crowns and the thrones that are given to the saints on that day, we're also going to be receiving uh, other things. And the other things we're going to receive uh, are palaces in the New Jerusalem. And the scripture does teach us, we saw in Psalm 122 that we quoted earlier, uh, the thrones of David are set up in the New Jerusalem, and it speaks about the palaces in the New Jerusalem as well. So the saints that receive thrones from the Lord and crowns from the Lord will at the same time receive palaces from him in the city of Jerusalem. And we can look at another scripture that just highlights that truth for us. Um, Psalm 48, beginning at verse 12. Scripture says, Walk about Zion and go all around her. Count her towers, mark well her bulwarks, consider her palaces, that you may tell it to the generation following. The New Jerusalem is a massive city. It's huge. Uh, it, it runs, uh, it, it's a square, square in shape, and it is 2,400 kilometers by 2,400 kilometers. And it goes 2,400 kilometers high. It's a mountain inside that city. And God the Father's throne and our, our Lord's throne is at the, at the top of the mountain. Um, but that is still, that's a massive city. And so there are multi, many, many, remember our Lord said, in, in my Father's house are many mansions. So there are many palaces in the city. And these palaces are given to the saints. As they are given their, their crowns and their thrones uh, as rewards, so they are given their palaces in the New Jerusalem as well. But not only will the saints receive palaces in the New Jerusalem, we will also receive lands and um, buildings in God's new earth. That is also part of the inheritance given unto the saints on that day. Um, the scripture we can look at is in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 21. And this particular chapter, chapter 65, <coughs> God is actually describing the new heaven and the new earth that he will create. And part of it is recorded here for us. He says, They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And so we will be building houses not in the new Jerusalem, for the new Jerusalem is uh, built by God. God the Father, he, he builds that city for us. And those palaces are built by him for us. Um, but we're talking about in the, the new earth that God is going to create. The new earth is, uh, you know, it's difficult to, to, to get relative sizes across. But uh, this earth that we currently dwell in is minuscule in comparative to the size of the new earth that God the Father will be creating. Because again, just look at that city of, uh, of the heavenly Jerusalem, which will be on that earth. It comes, out, comes down from the Father out of heaven, and it is placed on that earth. And that the size of the city is 2,400 kilometers by 2,400 kilometers, and 2,400 kilometers high. So it kind of gives you a, an idea as to just how massive that new earth is going to be. And so on the new earth that God the Father is going to create, the saints will be given lands, vineyards will be planted in those lands, um, and houses will be built in those lands as well. And so the saints will receive that as part of the rewards given to them by our Lord Jesus Christ. 
another scripture that just kind of gives us, a, these are just glimpses that we get in scripture as to what it will be like. We, are, we can only imagine because um, we'll, we'll only see the, the reality of it on that day when our Lord actually does uh, give us that which is uh, due to us, not due to us, but that which he has laid up in store for us for all eternity. And the other scripture I'd like us to just quickly look at is in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 26. The background to the scripture here is that um, Elisha, the prophet, has healed Naaman the Syrian. Um, and Gehazi is Elisha's servant in this uh, passage of scripture. And what has happened is Naaman has come through, he's got leprosy, and he's come to Elisha, and Elisha has healed him. Nathan had to go washing the, the River Jordan for seven times, and then he came up clean. And so uh, the, Naaman the Syrian has come with, I mean, he's the, the commander of the Syrian king's army. So he's a very wealthy man. He's brought a lot of wealth with him, uh, riches and rewards for Elisha, because you know he's, he's expecting to shower these rewards on Elisha for having received his healing through Elisha's ministry. Elisha refuses. He says, no ways, you're not going to give me any rewards um, because, you know, it's God who's healing you. And so he, he receives nothing from Naaman. But uh, and so Naaman goes away, healed, and with all his riches. Uh, but Gehazi gets a little bit uh, greedy. And so he runs after Naaman and he says, you know, a couple of prophets have arrived and in, in town and my master said, I must come and get actually... You know, so it's a, can you give something to, for them? And he's lying, obviously, he's, he wants it all for himself. So Naaman's only too keen to give him. So Naaman gives him, um, I think it's a, a silver, and he gives him a clothing. He, he kind of gives him a whole bunch of stuff. And so Gehazi goes and runs and you know, hides it in his home. And then he comes back to Elisha. And um, Elisha now questions Gehazi on the issue. Uh, because what has happened is God has now revealed to Elisha what, has, what Gehazi did. And so now God wants Elisha to judge Gehazi, his servant, for his uh, uh, sinful practice, really. And so, verse 26 says, Then he said to him, this is Elisha speaking to Gehazi, Did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? And verse, or carrying on in the scripture, he says, is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? And so Elisha gives us a little bit of insight as to what is in store for the saints on that day. Because he says it's not time to get this now. This is not the time to receive this stuff. Um, and, but he says, he says he's implying there is a time when this will be granted to the saints. And he lists it, and he says, um, he says that the, the saints will receive money and clothing and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen, male and female servants. And so there is a, a very practical side to our, our inheritance, our eternal rewards that we will receive from the Lord Jesus on that day. And part of the practical side of it is that we will receive vineyards and olive groves sheep and cattle and male and female servants. Um, is that wealth that will be bestowed upon the saints in that day? And so we, another scripture we can now just go look forward at the New Jerusalem and have a look at 
what the scripture says along those lines that just reinforces what Elijah has just uh, kind of opened up to us. Elisha just opened up to us. It's in Revelation 21, beginning at verse 24. The scripture says, And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. Talking about walking in the light of the new Jerusalem. Because the new Jerusalem will be lit up by the glory of God. And that is the light that the nations of the, uh, of the earth that are saved will walk in. And the scripture says, And the kings of the earth bring their what? Their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor and the honor of the nations into it. And so here we see the, the nations that are saved and who are dwelling on the, God's new earth will be bringing their glory and honor into the city of uh, Jerusalem. Now the saints, the church of our Lord, will be dwelling within the city of uh, the New Jerusalem. We will have palaces and thrones located in that city. But there are nations who will be living outside of the city, and they will be bringing in their glory and honor into the city. Now, who are those nations? I'm not going to go down that road today. That's a, a, another teaching entirely. But there are, in fact, nations um, of those who are saved who are not part of the church. They're not uh, the body of Christ. Nevertheless, they are saved. They will be living in God's new earth. And they will be uh, having vineyards and olive groves and cattle and sheep. And, you know, and, 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 and they will be bringing their glory and honor into the city of Jerusalem. And obviously the saints will have uh, lands outside of the city. And you know, their produce will be brought into the city as well. And so that is really what will transpire going into all eternity. You say, but I thought we would have glorified bodies and we wouldn't be taking of food and all that. We'll have glorified bodies without a doubt. But those bodies are able to um, change as the situation uh, calls for it. You recall our Lord um, when he appeared to John in the book of Revelation. I mean, he, he, the Bible says that he... You know, he it was as if the sun shining forth in its strength. There was the glory that was being made manifest through him. And John falls down before him. Uh, he faints, really. Um, but then there's the other time when our Lord appears to the disciples and he makes breakfast for them while they're busy fishing um, in his glorified body. And so he just appears to them as a normal man. And so our glorified bodies will be able to take on various forms depending on the occasion that is required at that time. So, yes, uh, we'll you know, partake of uh, vineyards and olive groves and all of the stuff that God has provided for us throughout all eternity. Now, there is a type and a shadow of that given to us under the Old Covenant. And that type and shadow is the, the rule and reign of Solomon um, in his rule and his reign. Not talking about the rule and reign of David because the, the two were different. Uh, David was still conquering lands. Whereas Solomon uh, was re reigning as the Prince of Peace, kind of, and uh, because peace reigned in Solomon's uh, rule when he was uh, uh, king in Israel for a period of time, anyway. Um, and so it was a type and a shadow of that which will take place when our Lord Jesus comes to reign on the earth. Uh, that is what the comparative is. And the point that I wanted to get across from that is in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 7. 
is how the city of Jerusalem, that city under the old covenant, was provided for by the nation of Israel. And that is the, so it's a type and a shadow of how the heavenly city of Jerusalem will be provided for by the nations of those who are saved in the age to come. And so the scripture is, says, And Solomon had twelve governors over all Israel, who provided food for the king and his household. Each one made provision for one month of the year. And so what Solomon did was he divided up the, the nation under twelve governors, and each governor, it was that governor's responsibility for that particular month to supply the requirements of the city of Jerusalem. Um, because the city of Jerusalem was where all of the, uh, you know, the, the Solomon's main men hung out, I suppose. Um, and so, you know, they would be doing the things of the kingdom, but they would not be doing the things of, you know, uh, planting and, and harvesting and all that kind of stuff. And so the nation of Israel supported the king's household inside the city. Um, and that's what, it's a type and a shadow of what will transpire in the new heaven and the new earth, in that the nations of, the, of those who are saved will support uh, the saints of our Lord inside the heavenly Jerusalem. And that's a, a, a kind of a type and a shadow of what, of what will transpire. And so we've just touched on some highlights today in today's passage uh, teaching on uh, the, the rewards that are available to the saints going forward. And we've spoken about these rewards are the rewards that are earned. And the rewards are primarily crowns that are given to the saints. With those crowns are given thrones. And with those thrones are given uh, levels of authority that are given to the saints. Palaces are given to the saints inside the city of the, uh, Jerusalem. Land and buildings are given to the saints outside of the city as well. Um, because if you go back and, and again look at uh, Solomon's, uh, what happened in his reign is that the heads of his government all had their own lands outside of the city as well. Um, that you know They had servants who took care of those lands for them. Um, and so, yeah, that's the kind of thing that will happen then, is that outside of the, the city there will be lands that will be made available to the saints as part of their inheritance as well. And uh, that's pretty much what we have in store for us for all eternity. And we're going to end up the teaching on that particular point today.